So I'm going to talk to you today about God's plans. And uh, how many know God has great plans? Does anybody know that? He has great plans. If we could, get, if we could come along what God's plans are, sometimes we write plans thinking that we would co could come up with something better than God. Jesus, Jesus. Are all your amens gone now? Or you still got some amens left, all right? Uh, so... Uh, Jeremiah 29 11, just, just to kick off, I'm not going to spend a lot of time right here, but this is one of those great plans for an exiled people that are coming back. God speaks through the prophet and he says, read this with me, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now there's a lot of things you need to know about this, but uh, uh, some of you understand this reality that uh, what God wanted to do is not what you were involved in. So you can come alongside God's plans or you can fight God's plans, right? How many have ever fought God before? Wave at me, ever fought God? So what I want to do is get us to come alongside specifically what God is saying. I love the Bible. I love to teach the Bible. I want you to know God's word. I believe that God can change some things in your lives today. But today, I just want to talk about this first area, and that is God's great plans for the church. God's great plan for the church. Uh, it's good to be a part of the church. Amen? And we're going to look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 13. Uh, from the days of John the Baptist until now, this is Jesus speaking, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. All right, read that. You need to get this in your mind because sometimes if, if you don't read it, if you don't read it out loud, it's just like, oh, that's a Bible verse. Has anybody ever done that at church before? Oh, they're just reading Bible verses. No, you need to get this in your mind because we're going to change our minds about the plan for the church, okay? So read it with me. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been and forceful men lay hold of it. Now that term men, some of you say, well, why are you talking about women? That term men, uh, got any hermanos here? You know what I'm saying? How many know that's brothers and sisters, right? So that term men is talking about men and women. He's talking about people, all right? Uh, and people lay hold of it. So uh, this is back to church Sunday. And uh, one of the things uh, that we are, are focused on today is that you belong here. And the, the membership gathering was a part of that. Uh, you belong here. You actually belong. This, it's not an accident that you're here. You didn't, you say, well, I, just, I was just driving down the road and saw that church and came in. Surprise. God is good, right? Uh, I've had so many people come. I was just, I just typed in on the internet trying to find a church and your church popped up. I mean, oh, God can control the internet. Did anybody know that? So, uh, you're a friend of a friend or you saw somebody in a parking lot and however you got here, okay, you were a co-worker with someone at some time and now you happen to be here. So, however, I'm glad you're here, but I want you to know that you're not just here, but you belong here, okay? You belong. Now, uh, in, in saying that, I don't want to pull a fast one on everybody. Does that make sense? I, I'm about to preach a sermon that probably 
uh, if there was a sermon that was written down that I'm supposed to preach, when I got new people in the room, it probably would not be that one. Because somebody a lot more educated, a lot smarter than me would write a really cool one, and by the time it's over, you'd all feel better, and you'd feel like, I love that church because they just feel good, and uh, they have the best cookies, and they got flavored coffee, and those things are fine. But uh, how many would like the truth today? Anybody want the truth? So I've had, I've had a load of dreams in my life. Uh, my notes on my phone are just filled with moments when the Lord spoke to me. Uh, one of the heaviest dreams I had uh, uh, a couple of years ago was the dream of a couple who were dressed in wedding garments. Uh, and I walked inside this fortress and I saw a couple, and they were standing up on a platform getting ready to be executed. But they were wearing beautiful wedding garments. And uh, the people were shouting angry things at them, and it was just, it was just a very vicious, it, it, it kind of looked, uh, you know, like uh, medieval times or something, but it was normal-looking people, and the, the dress was spectacular for the woman, and the dress was spectacular for the man. They were just dressed so beautifully, and, and uh, suddenly they ripped off the robes, and they jumped off the platforms, and they took off running, and the crowds began to run after them, and they ran through the streets. They escaped the fortress, and they're running through a normal street, and they ducked into this restaurant, and they sat down. They were hungry. They were tired, and they were sitting down. Someone walked over them and said, look, uh, people are going to find you unless you change your clothes. And so they snuck into a bathroom, and somebody handed them a paper bag filled with uh, dirty clothes, and they put on dirty, normal clothes and they walked out of the bathroom and walked out the front door and they just fit in with everybody and no one was after them again. Can anybody hear the message of that particular dream? Anybody hear the message? That because we fear what might happen to us, we gladly change our clothes in order that we can fit in. And we are willing sometimes to wear dirty garments rather than pure garments simply because, uh, simply because the world might persecute us uh, if, we don't, if we don't wear what is more common. It's not, it's not a teaching about your clothing. You know, it's not about, oh yeah, see that person on that row over there, they shouldn't be wearing those clothes. That's not what it's about. It's a spiritual metaphor, right? Because the Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ, correct? And not only are we the bride of Christ, Jesus is returning one day, and what kind of bride is he looking for? A, a beautiful bride, a, a bride that's well-dressed, without spot and without wrinkles. So, so I'm not going to change because the world asks me to change. So when I talk about the church, I want to tell you something about Freedom Fellowship. Welcome to the church of the Lord Jesus here. Freedom, how many would say Freedom is a great church? Anybody agree? Yes. Uh, let me tell you a few reasons why. One of the reasons why is because we love people. You might say, you don't love me. If you knew me, you would love me. Try me, okay? I love you. There's nothing you can do to cause me not to love you. I choose to love you. God's in my life, and I love you. You say, well, you don't know what I believe. Hey, look, you, you can be confused. You can believe lies. You can be, oh, I love 
you because God loves you. And if God loved me and saved me, then I'm going to love you and believe that God can save you as well. So I love you already. Look at somebody and tell them, Pastor loves you. Tell, tell them that. Pastor loves you. Okay, And then tell them something else. And I love you too. Because the fact of the matter is just having a guy like me loving people are going to fix things. We've got to love one another. Anybody glad we're a church that loves each other? There's a lot of people who are here today because we loved them when they felt unloved. we got people here who are healed, whose hearts have been made whole. But not only that, we stay active in the lives of other people. Am I right? Uh, just, you know, I got this, this, I didn't have to put this together. I just went and grabbed it and brought it in here, okay? So if you did not know this, uh, Freedom Fellowship is a feeding church, okay? We feed people food. We don't just, am I right, Steve? We don't just give food away on bad days, or we give food away regularly, right? We have bags of groceries, and, and, and this is just one. I didn't pack this bag. Somebody else there, okay? We have bags of groceries that brothers put together, brothers and sisters put together so that we can feed hungry people, right? Somebody praise God for that. We don't just have bags of groceries. We also have bins and bins full of clothes because, catch that, okay? Uh, Oops. Uh, Bins and bins full of clothes because we believe that if we love people, it needs to be practical. And so we clothe people and we feed people. We help people. You say, people who are like good and members of the... No, no. We, whoever needs food, gets food. Anybody grateful for that? So these are practical things. I remember the day I assumed the pastor of the church, one of the things that I noticed was we didn't have a feeding system. So we started neighbor's ministry. And I had everybody just bring a a bag of groceries. And we put them in our closet. And when people came in, we gave them a neighbor's bag. And then other people took over. And I don't run the the ministry. I, I don't have to put bags together. I would if they needed to. But we have people that do that. Now listen, listen. We also reach people. We reach people all over the world. We're a missional church. We have missionaries in Colombia, missionaries in Peru. We have missionaries in Venezuela. We have missionaries in Thailand. We have missionaries in in Kenya. We have missionaries uh, right now in the Ukraine. Hallelujah. Curtin, uh, Cynthia uh, got their baby, and they're going to be bringing her back. Come on, they've already got the baby. Hallelujah. Dasha's coming home. We also minister to people who have a wide variety of broken issues. We see people set free all the time who are relationally broken. Can I get an amen? Amen. Sexually broken, relationally broken. We see people that are hurting. People say, what do you do when people have issues? We find ways. I mean, we can pray for you, but how many know healing is a journey? Come on, shout, healing is what? It's a journey. So you don't just have prayer for them. You take people by the hand and you walk them into freedom. So we see people set free every day. We also have ministry to diverse generations. We have an overflowing children's and youth ministry. Somebody praise God. Our associate pastor of student ministries, Preston's right here. And and, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have just a day for youth on a Sunday. Uh, Anybody excited about that? You're going to see your youth singing, dancing, and celebrating. That's happening right here. So we see people coming to Jesus, the Savior, regularly. We are a growing church. We've got a great past. I'm so thankful. I've been around for a long, long time. 
time. And in that, I knew the founding pastor of Freedom Fellowship. I preached Troy Simmons' funeral when he founded what was then called Virginia Beach Church of God uh, many, many years ago. He, he and his wife, Nell, were dear friends of mine. I had the opportunity to pastor them. But listen, listen, I've got some good stories about this. But you need to understand, we are a thriving church, and our best years are in front of us. No, I don't know if you hear that. Our best years are in front of us. So when you think, man, I wish we could just go back. No, no, no. I don't want to go back. I want to go forward with God, what God has for this church in the years to come. I need to get a hand clap for that, all right? So, and, and I can't compete in some areas. I shouldn't be preaching this today, I know, but I'm going to anyway. So I, um, I'm really good on a grill but I'm not the best on the grill. I can do chicken and I can do picnics. We're okay. But it's a, how many of the church is about so much more than that? It's more than cookies and coffee. We're really nice people, but it's more than that. So I, I want you to look again at Matthew eleven thirteen, From the days of John the Baptist until now, read this next line, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully, how? How do we advance? Accidentally. Forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of what? The kingdom of heaven, right? Lay hold of it. So I want us to get the true identity and mission of the church here and remind us all that the most, uh, you're going to have to hear this, the most powerful community, the most powerful place on the planet is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The most powerful. Why? Because we have the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Am I right? Now, now I'm going to come back to you. That being said, let me remind you of some other severe news from uh, churchleaders.com. I grabbed this. Seven startling facts. An up-close look at church attendance in America. There are uh, 200 million non-churched people in the United States. There are only 317 million people in the country. Canada has about 33 million people, so North America has become one of the largest and most neglected mission fields in the world. Your neighbors, your co-workers. Research, research states that there are now over 200 million non-church people, and our nation is now, drumroll, one of the top four largest unchurched nations in the world. China, India, and Indonesia have more lost people. Russia has less. Are you still in the house? He, listen, Satan loves it when you take naps. He does. I, sometimes I think if we could just entertain the church correctly, then Satan would even come. Uh, help me preach today, come on. So, here's some more stats. The United States, again, one of the four largest unchurched nations in the world. Every year, 3,500 churches close their, well, don't notice because they don't come anyway. There are about 355,000 churches in America, and of them, four out of five of them are either plateaued or declining. Only 20% of churches in America are growing. Less than 20% of American, Americans attend church. And with that being said, 
pollsters often say 40% uh, are attending church, but, but through additional questions, what you learn is that half of those people are lying. Okay? Here's how it goes. Do you attend church? Oh, yeah, I go to church. And then you just ask, now, where is that church you attend? It's like down there on the street, you know, around the... Come on. In, in, in the year 2050, the percentage of the U.S. population attending church will be about half of what it was in 1990. So while we are having large, larger churches, we are also having less people. Everybody hear that? So I'm making you sad right now, but we're all here, right? Here's another problem with this. When the church decline, uh, there's no such thing as a vacuum. What happens is when that vacuum is opened, something fills the void, specifically other religions. And there are two religions. Uh, one of them is atheism, and the other one is Islam that is massively filling the void in America. Okay? Now, some of you say, well, that, that's not... Atheism is, a, atheism is a religion, okay? It's what it is. It is a belief system. It is a religion. And it's being taught in our culture heavily. Amen. All right? And Islam is a false religion. Muhammad is a false prophet. The Quran is not the truth. Am I making people nervous right now? Because what your concern is is that if you say that, people might get upset. Well, I need to tell you something about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven has some violence in it, and everybody doesn't always like it when you're storming the gates of hell. All right? But just so you understand, there is only one way to heaven, and that is through the blood of Jesus. There is no other name given except the name of Jesus whereby men will be saved. That's the word of God. Does anybody believe the Bible? Now, I'm saying all of this, and, and in saying this, here's what I believe. I believe the church in America is destined for greatness. Somebody shout hallelujah, all right? Because some people are getting sick and tired of it, and they're saying it's about time that the church of the Lord Jesus actually became the church of Jesus. Here's the problem. We've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten what Jesus says about the church. What does the Lord say about it? And, I, and, and one of the ways you find out about what the Lord says about the church is, is, and I've taught you this before, the concept of the law of first dimension. If there is a teaching in the Bible and you want to know exactly what it means, then you go to the place in the Bible where it's first mentioned so that you can get a clear understanding of it, a clear contextual understanding. For instance, in Genesis 1, uh, God established marriage between a man and a woman. So if you want to know what marriage is, go back to Genesis 1 and you'll find out exactly what it is. And, and then God gave man authority. Adam and Eve lost that authority and lost that dominion. He gave them dominion. Anybody remember that? Adam and Eve lost that, but Jesus came and established his church. And then he told us to go into all the world and preach the good news to every creature, and he that believeth and is baptized will be saved. So the issue of dominion is this. Jesus is the one who talks about the church, and he calls us to this strong stance. And I, I constantly hear people talking about the church and what the church is supposed to be. You know, the church is... You know, the, the problem with the church, I, I hear it all the time. I mean, it's just crazy. It makes me weird. You know, people say things like, you know, the problem with the church is organized religion. I hate organized religion. So I guess you believe in disorganized religion. And that's why your garage looks like it does, all right? 
Because you like things disorganized because if there's organization, there might be something called accountability and growth. Amen. I ain't getting any amens right now. You, you, you hear what I'm saying? Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't like, you know, the churches are the problem. I, I've heard this before. Churches are the problem. No, churches are not the problem. Churches have some problems. There are some broken people that go to church. Amen? All right? But, but Jesus had some things to say about the church, and the, the, the teaching of the church comes from Jesus. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus says, uh, I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there, was, there has not risen anyone greater than John, John the Baptist. And then he goes on and says, Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. Now, here's what you don't understand, is that the kingdom, uh, the, the, the advance of the kingdom began with John the Baptist. That's right. The New Testament begins with John the Baptist. That's what you need to see. Now, that was the beginning. And what God is saying, you think John is doing some great things. When people come out to the river and he preaches the kingdom of heaven, that's what he preached. The kingdom of heaven is, is come. And he baptizes them. Listen, listen, here's what I'm saying. A after John is gone, the kingdom of heaven is going to forcefully advance. And you, and you, and you get to do more for the kingdom of, the he of heaven than even John the Baptist did. Jesus, you need to see what's going on here. This is the beginning of battle. The kingdom of heaven has launched an offensive against the kingdom of hell. And the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, not just coffee and cookies. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violence, the offensive, listen, we're on the offense. We're Come on, church, get off your heels. Get, stop backing up. Stop, oh, the devil's, stop, stop playing that. It's time to stand up, throw your shoulders back, live for the Lord Jesus, and preach the kingdom of God. Jesus. Let me tell you, let me tell you a principle about the devil. He, he doesn't give you anything that you don't take by force. I want my family back. I want my marriage back. Well, you know, you think the devil's going to just let go of it? He's owned it for so long. Jesus. He's owned it for so long. Listen, listen. In, in the Old Testament, for 4,000 years, people of God got their clocks cleaned. Anybody ever read the Old Testament? Getting beat up in the wilderness. They tried to take possession of the land just... You know, they win Jericho, and then the next battle, it's like everything falls in their face. Time of the judges, we got idolatry during the kings. We got, you know, got, you know, they thought they changed marriage and decided, we'll go polygamy. And that did not work because it wasn't God's word. And then there's infiltration of massive idolatry. But when John the Baptist shows up, Jesus references John in context of violence against the kingdom of hell. And the first mention of the church by Jesus uh, is Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound on in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So I'd like to just add parenthetically here, if you don't bind nothing or loose nothing, then you won't get nothing. 
What you doing? What you doing? I, uh, I love my family. If you know me, you know I love my family. And you are my family. I got, we got this empty nest thing going on. It's, it's still weird. It's fun, but it's weird, you know. Uh, I take, if you were around this past month and a half, you know I take my family personally, right? Uh, if they're struggling, I'm struggling. Uh, this church, I, I love this church. Folks, I'll fight for this. Anybody with me on this? I'll fight for this thing. I'll fight for it. And I, you might say, well, you know, I just don't love it. I don't understand. I, I, I get that. I understand that we're all at different places, and everybody's got different wounds. But I'm, I'm telling you, I am fully involved with Freedom Fellowship and our cause and our purpose. And if you just despise it, I'm still going to love you, but I might hurt your feelings. Because I'm going to stand up. Come on, you understand this, don't you? I mean, if somebody just kind of walked in your house, started kicking the furniture around, and started robbing you and stuff like that, we just got to sit back and say, hey, just, hey, you just take my babies if you want. They're upstairs. <laughs> Would you do that? I don't think so. Well, we're in the kingdom of God, and I take my family. Come on, I take the family personally. And, 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 and I know it's, it, it's getting difficult in here, but, but it's a battle. And Jesus is saying, I will build my church. And he says this. This is the first time he talks about it. I will build my church. I'm still preaching. I'm just taking a walk. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Did anybody hear that? I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not be, will not prevail against it. And, uh, you know, uh, that's, that's my translation. Anybody, that's the way I read it originally. Somebody say gates of hell, all right? The gates of hell cannot prevail against who? Talk to somebody and tell them. Say the gates of hell cannot prevail. Now, let me tell you something about hell, all right? All right? You've never seen a gate chasing somebody, all right? We're talking about the position of the church and the position of people. Has anybody got a story that you were just really messed up and you were broken? Anybody there? Anybody there? You know what I'm talking about? Just messed up and broken. Anybody? Will you come stand up here with me? Just stand up here with me. Come up here and stand with me. All right, somebody come and stand with me. All the way up on the platform. All right? All right? Just go stand over there, Ricky. All right? Stand. Anybody? I got only one? I mean, I know your stories back there. All right? I do. I know your stories. Okay? So let me just, let me fix this. All right? Just stand over there. Okay? Just stand over here so you'll have a better understanding of the work of the church. Okay? Here's the work of the church. Okay? Now, uh, anybody struggled with addictions or any kind of enslavement or brokenness in your life or, uh, you know, just all of the above, okay? Come on, stand close, stand close. Look, notice the crowd here, okay? So here's what's happened is hell has claimed so many people in our culture. And we're, we just go to church. Did I just tell you something? You know, we got nice soft seats. But look at the number of people that hell has claimed. And so here, what he's saying, when forceful men take, take this by, when, 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 when the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and forceful men are doing warfare and taking this by force, what we're saying is, is there's so many people that are captured, what we're going to do is we're going to go into the gates of hell and we're going to set people free. That's, 
That's the posture of the church, okay? It's the posture. That means we go to where broken people are, where hurting people are. We're not afraid of your issues. We're not afraid of your stuff. We're not afraid of touching people, of reaching into their lives, of telling them that we love them even when they've been hurt or when they've been wounded. We know it could be complicated. We know it could be difficult. But God did not call call us just to sit on our soft little seats on Sundays. He called us to say, hey, I don't know what you're going through, but I know that God is good and hell doesn't get to contain you anymore. That's the concept is storming is what it is. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Let me just put this over with my stuff. Okay. Sometimes my sermons look like a yard sale or something. (laughs) Say, keep preaching, Pastor. Keep preaching. We're the church. All right? We are a gate-taking, invasive force which takes people out of bondage. If you are struggling, your addiction knows that it's bad news that you are here right now. Your unforgiveness, your relational brokenness. That's why if you're in a struggle in your marriage, probably in that struggle, there's somebody who says, I ain't going back to that church. You know why? Because the enemy loves tearing you up. Right? And he whispers things. How many know he'll do it? He'll talk that... How many know the enemy will talk right in your brain? Anybody know that? How many know because it's happened this week to you? Anybody? All right. All right. So so we're the church. And Jesus said that we're on attack. I said we're on attack. I got too many stories about this, and I can't tell all my stories, but one of my favorites is this. I don't think I've ever told this story before. That's the reason I want to tell it. Okay. Uh, It's when my father and mother accepted a pastorate in a tiny little town called Orgonia, Ohio, okay? It really exists, okay? Uh, It was like 100 people, and there there weren't that many people that came to the church. It's this little building. It was country. I mean, there was a little Miami River was 100 yards in front of us where we could fish and swim. There's a creek beside our house. It was was a great, you know, uh, country boy kind of a life, and we lived there for about six years or so. and uh, moved away when I was a freshman in high school. So that's, that's the backstory. But when we showed up at this place, so hilarious, there was this guy, uh, his first name was Brady. I remember that, all right? And I want to tell you anything else about him. But uh, we went to this church, and he was standing out there meeting my family. And when he met our family as we came to pastor this church, he just went ahead and told him, says, you guys aren't supposed to be pastoring this church. That's how we went to that church. That was our greeting. Isn't that cool? You're not supposed to be here. You you need to leave, all right? Because you're not the ones that are supposed to be pastors of this church. Well, Dad knew he was supposed to be the pastor of the church. He said, okay, we'll just have to work that out later. Anyway, we're this little country church, okay? Not very many people coming at all. Jesus. But my mama and daddy were just so faithful to the Lord. I mean, they loved praying. They loved worshiping. They did everything. I mean, they worked so very hard. And dad and mom were not afraid to talk to anybody about Jesus. Now, my dad, how many have ever met my dad before? How many know if he was standing here next to me, he would come to about right here, okay? All right, so my dad physically is not a very tall man. Uh, But 
there was communities around our neighborhoods. I, just so you know, I mean, in that little neighborhood, we actually had a song about our town. It was called Back Home in Old Oregonia. All right? And we had verses about certain individuals, like the store, okay? That's where we buy our booze, and when we all get plastered, we sing the midnight blues. <laughs> oh, the mailman's name is Johnny, his bottle never drops. If you can't find your own mail, look in your neighbor's box. <laughs> it was the truth, all right? We had this little country song. And it went on and on, just little stories. And we sang, and I remember we would ride the school bus back and forth to the city that went, and we'd always say, back home in old Oregonia, we're all a bunch of drug heads. You know, I mean, it was just, I'm telling you. And it was everywhere. The first time I ever took drugs away from somebody was when I was like in the sixth grade, and there was a kid that was taking uh, medication that he had taken from his father, and he was all drugged up all the time. And we prayed, and he gave me his meds. I went, man, that's cool. Praise God. And I remember Dad going, there was this, this, a group of guys that had this gang, and the guy's name was Junior. And Junior stood about, oh, really tall compared to my dad. He was massive, all right? And Dad's preaching one day, and he had went to that gang and said, you guys need to come to church, give your life to Jesus. And one day, old Junior walks in the church. He, doesn't, he just skips everything. Everything. Walks right down. Dad sat on the platform. He stands there, looks dead, eyeball to eyeball, and Dad's on the platform. <laughs> Pastor, I need to give my life to Jesus. That man gave his life to Jesus. His wife gave his life to her life to Jesus. His children. He's still serving the Lord. It's been a while since I talked to him, but. But listen, they moved the church up on the hillside. It's a, it's a wonderful church now. It's doing so great. And, but what I'm telling you is that, that God infiltrated those particular lives. And that's just kind of in my DNA. I just, I just can't stop thinking that there is, even as a small town, and I look around this area where we got a half million people. We had about a million people in the seven cities. Why can't we just reach all of them for the kingdom of God? Why can't can't we just starve the gates of hell and see people set free? So tell somebody you're in the right place. If you're losing your kids, if you're losing your family, if you're lost, if you want to see lives transformed, if you want to see homes healed, if you want to see children restored, if you're tired of a world philosophy that believes that man is his own master, if you're weary of dead and dried up and unaffected religious exercises, then welcome home, baby, because it's a battle, and the battle's on. We're going to win your family and your family and your children. We're going to see you set free and you set free. You're going to get somebody praise God. Uh, the gates of hell cannot prevail. We sometimes forget who we are. Some, something else you might notice about the church, just so you know, I got to tell you this. We are unapologetic about our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen. We say, let's, let's say it again. Say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Are you cool with that? Okay, because if you're not, we'll pray with you. We're just, not, we're just not dismissing Holy Spirit from the room. Can I get an amen from someone? Because I believe the Holy Spirit empowers us to storm the gates of hell. All right. Are you with me on this? Did anybody clean up your yard for the storm? 
that went south? Some, you're welcome. I mean, kids wanted a week off of school anyway, right? So <laughs> teachers had to clean up their, they actually, some of the teachers, Ivy was telling me, they actually had to bag up their stuff and put it in the middle of their classrooms and stuff, you know. So they opened up classrooms and they had to close it all and leave. So bless their hearts. But uh, we cleaned up our backyard, and our backyard is an issue to clean up. It's a big backyard. There's a lot of things that need to be packed up. So we stack stuff and wrap stuff. And, and there's some flowers that we have in our backyard that uh, Diana takes personally. And there's something that we've learned. If you don't water flowers, they will die. <laughs> Write that down in your notes. Okay? If you don't water them, they will die. Okay? Okay? Here's, here's the deal. Uh, things are either, this is, this is when, when I tell you this, uh, this is a universal truth, okay? All matter is dynamic. It is either growing, and you might say, yes, not growing, but that's, no. It's either growing, you might say, well, it's, uh, it's, it's stagnant, okay? No. It's either growing or it's dying, it's either growing or it's dying. So look at the person next to you. Take a look at them. You might want to get a camera out and take a quick picture of them. Okay. All right. There we go. Take a picture. Come here, Brandon. I'm taking a picture, everybody. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's cool. All right. Oh, muscles and all that. Got them really cool tats and stuff, you know. All right. I got this picture because in five years, he's going to look different than this. Okay? He's going to. All right? So look at somebody. Take a look at him. You got a picture. Take a picture because five years from now, they're not going to look like they look right now. You say, oh, yeah, well, I'm always going to look the same. No, listen, listen, listen. You can only fix this thing up so much. I have learned. I have been working on this for a long time. And... Every now and again, one of those crazy Facebook memories will show up. And I'll look at that and I'll show it to Look what I looked like five years ago. What? <laughs> anyway. I'm not trying to make you anxious. I'm just saying five years from now, you will not be the same. You will be better or worse. Physically, you'll be better or worse. Financially, you'll be better or worse. Spiritually, You'll be better or worse. Anything that is just being maintained is dying. So I'm not going to be okay. I'm not going to be okay until the kingdom of heaven is increased. Is anybody with me on this? My, I, I learned this about myself. My anxiousness is often about how I am serving people. Does that make sense to anyone in the room? Whether or not we are making a difference in the kingdom of God, if the kingdom of God is... Are you with me on this? You see, you know why we're going to be successful? We love and want people in the kingdom of heaven more than the devil wants them. The devil knows that he can't defeat God, so he attacks. And can I tell you this? In case you did not know it, he loves attacking our children more than anyone. He loves, he hates, he hates our children, and I want our children more than the devil wants them. We will not let the devil have our city, or our children, or our home. Anybody with me on this? All right. 
have so much to say. Can, can I say some more? All right. I, I threw these scriptures in. I just love these. In, in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, do I have those scriptures in there, Keith? This is the 72 after the Lord had sent them out. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You should underline that. I saw Satan, I need, you need to change your opinion here. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. All right, now listen. When we get busy reaching others, the enemy loses authority. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, I give you authority over everything. So, so why is the church getting hammered in America? Because we have forgotten who we are. Jesus gave us authority over the enemy. Somebody needs to shout amen. amen. Jesus gave us authority over... Amen. So here's some, here's some scriptures we don't, like to, we don't talk about a lot. Like Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, some would read that and say, well, Jesus wants us to hate our husbands and hate our children. That's not what he's saying. I gave you an example earlier in the service about love and how you love one another compared to the way he loves us. Here, here's what he's saying. The most important, the priority of your life, the relationship of relationships, the relationship that you have with the Lord Jesus. So don't he, he, what, what, here's what happens. Jesus is walking along, and he sees all these people following him. And he thinks, he said, I don't think these people know what they're getting into. And he stops, and he looks at them, because they want his manna. They want his bread, earthly bread. In, in verse 28, he says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, Everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Suppose a king was about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not uh, give up everything, he has, he, he has cannot be my disciple. I give up everything. Somebody say, give up everything. What? Does anybody understand this? You say, I want, I want this much of the gates of hell, and I want this much of Jesus. You see? All right? So, so what he's saying is, what he's saying is, God has this great plan for the church, but we need to count the cost. There's a crowd of people following Jesus who don't understand. Now, I want you to understand. I got any military folks here? Got any military folks? All right, anybody at Oceana? Wave at me. Anybody at Oceana? Anybody at Norfolk Naval Air Station? Wave at me. Where are you? Where are you? Shout, where are you at? Okay, I'm going to tell you where you are. You're at Freedom Fellowship, which is one of the greatest military bases. Amen. Come on. Come on, I drive around this place all the time and see all these military bases. You need to understand, there is another base, and we are at war. Count the cost. Why? Sometimes you got to go to war. you got to just say, no, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to reach people. I'm going to get busy in the kingdom of God. Amen. All right. Can I finish? God's great plan for this great church requires a great warfare. So what does great warfare require? One. We have to have a great hatred for the enemy. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
Look in 1 John 3 and 9. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Now here's the problem with all of that. Four out of ten Christians, 40%, according to Barna Research, 40% strongly agree that Satan is not a living being, but only a symbol of evil. Additionally, we're talking about Christians, two out of ten Christians, 19%, said they agree somewhat with that perspective, that he's just a symbol of evil. A minority of Christians indicated that they believe Satan is real by disagreeing with the statement, but one quarter disagreed strongly, and about one-tenth, 9%, disagreed somewhat. The remaining 8% were not sure what they believed about Satan. We're talking about Christians. 60% of believers believe he is just symbolic. Now listen, how many have a Bible? Have you read the Bible? How many believe Jesus? How many believe that Jesus is the Son of God? How many believe that Jesus died on the cross and that he rose again on the third day and he ascended to heaven? So how, why do you believe that but you don't believe that there's a Satan? How is it that you can just kind of go through the Bible, highlight the things you like, and then just skip the things that you don't like? You've got to understand that if you're going to be victorious, you've got to believe the whole. Come on, somebody. The whole Bible. The Bible talks a lot about Satan. If what the Bible says about Satan isn't true, what makes you think that Jesus is coming again? Well, I read it in the Bible. So, if you're picking and choosing, why did you pick that? Because I like that. Don't, make, don't play with me. I'm getting irritated today. All right, so We're losing our nation, but there's one group of people that can change that. You know who that group of people is? It's those who have authority over the enemy who have the ability to storm the gates of hell. And you might say, I'm not into that storming the gates of hell thing. I want you to listen, listen. You've got other ways. Hey, listen, Trump can't fix the problems of this nation. Obama couldn't fix the problems. Bush couldn't fix them. Clinton couldn't fix them. We need the church to get tired of the brokenness in our nation and rise up. I know I got your politics just now. You need to get, you need to understand that Jesus is still the answer for the world today. And Satan is coming against us. And we need to storm the gates of hell. God's great plan. God's great plan. God's great plan for the church is to have a great compassion for people who are lost and hurting. Peter, he says, I'm, I want you to build this king, to build my church. The gates of hell will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You like this? The message version. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven, and a no on earth is a no in heaven. And so we have sickness and emotional bondage, but we have to see people people through the eyes of, of heaven, the eyes of compassion, because then, come on, when you love people, you will bind the enemy. Some of you here, because you saw through the pain, let me say that, some of you are here today because someone saw through your life and saw your pain, and, and they, they had experienced, listen, God's people, because they love you will say, I see your heart. Does that make sense to anybody? We'll go to the wounds and go to your brokenness. And you know why Jesus drew multitudes to him? 
because he loved people like nobody else loved them. There are things we do to overthrow the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of hell. There are all kinds of things we do. We give food away. You know, on October 31st, and I know some people think it's, it's the day of the devil, but I want you to understand this. I want you to get this, okay? On October 31st, we will go out because people are outside. Do you know why I go outside on October 31st? Because there are people that are outside. They are dressed like little goblins and witches and vampires, which I'm not a fan of. But they are outside. You know what Jesus would do? He would go hide. We will go outside and we will... Do you know how many people have come to this church over the years and walked up to me and said, the first time I ever came to this church, I was outside getting candy. I was outside getting clothes. I was outside getting helped. I came in through the food pantry. You know, the number of people. So I, this is what I know. I know that we need to be busy overthrowing the kingdom of darkness, but you can't do it without compassion. People are hurt. People are confused. They wonder where the church is. Folks, sometimes you got to get out of the boat to catch some fish. God's great plan for the church, finally, is great power and authority over the enemy. I think I preached this point five times already, but I'm going to preach it again. All right. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to, to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to co overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. All right, I got to have a hand raised in here. How many have ever seen the Andy Griffith Show? Okay, wow. How many have never seen the Andy Griffith Show? Uh, can I say? How many have ever heard of Barney Fife? How many have never heard of Barney Fife? That's weird. Okay. Really? Emma? It's on Netflix. Okay, anyway. It's an old show. Oh, old, old, old show. Okay, here's the story. Okay, Andy is the sheriff. Okay, and Barney, his buddy, is the deputy. Okay, Barney Fife. He's Andy. You know, he's just really, I can't, I can't even impersonate him really well. He has a pistol in his pocket, okay? He also has one bullet that he keeps in his, his pocket, his shirt pocket, all right? Because Andy really don't trust him with bullets anyway. But he will pull his gun on occasion. He pull his gun. And it's like he gets really upset. What? He pulls his gun. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. Stay right there. You're under arrest. Boom. And he'll shoot the ground or something. And that, it's, it's sad but a church without authority is like a church with one bullet that doesn't know how to load the pistol. Jesus said, I want to give you authority. Anybody ever pray for one another? Anybody ever pray for one another? Just stand with me. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up. But I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray. But here, stay with me right, right where I am in the message, okay? Because I, I want you to stand with me. And just, you, you had me do this before. Lay your hand on somebody's shoulder nearby you, okay? If they don't like it, they'll shrug it off, okay? All right? All right? 
Are you ready? All right, now, wait. Prayer sometimes is so pretty. All right? Jesus, I'm so glad for the person I'm touching right now. I love it when we touch each other on the shoulder. Woo! Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Now I want to tell you something. There is a good chance the individual that you're laying their hand, your hand on right now is in massive warfare. And you may not know this, but the enemy is all about destroying the person that you're next to right now. And they have had warfare in their life. So when we welcome the Holy Spirit, we're saying, Holy Spirit, lead me through this. Because prayer is a spiritual activity that is done by the Spirit of God. Does that make sense to anyone in the room? So right now, I positioned you to go to battle or to surrender. That's what you're about to do. You can either go to battle, you can either go to war on behalf of the individual that you're embracing right now, the individual you're touching, or you can just say, oh, bless them, Jesus. Oh, man. And just head on over to the Cracker Barrel. That sounds good, doesn't it? All right. Listen, you are positioned in battle right now. All right? You got your hand on somebody's shoulder? Okay, so do this, all right? Uh, have you ever felt like the enemy was trying to destroy you? Have you ever felt that way? Squeeze their shoulder. Squeeze their shoulder. Some people aren't squeezing, but you want to squeeze, all right? Have you perhaps recently felt like the enemy wanted to destroy your life? Have you lost your joy? Are there any struggles going on in your family, with your children, maybe a, a relationship? Any addictions? I'm not just talking about drugs. I'm talking about, you know, other addictions. Anything that you're using as medication in order to make your problems seem like they're not there. All right? Just, you see what I'm saying? Now, that, what, I'm, what I've just showed you is that you are, you are at warfare right now. In order to go to war, you need to understand, first of all, I have authority. So I want you to say that, I have authority. Say, I have authority. In the name of Jesus. I have authority. Now, oh, you need to say that again. I have authority in the name of Jesus. Now, thank you. Just stay in that same posture. Thank you, Lord, for the authority you've given me. Praise God. Try this, okay? In the name of Jesus, I take authority in this warfare. Heal, deliver, set free. Okay, that's it. Just hang right there. Okay, just hang right there. All right. Now wait. Now, this is, I want you to, if you feel resistance, it's because there is resistance. In good prayer, you should feel resistance. Okay? And I'm going to say this, and some people are going to weird you out. Okay? But you love Halloween, so you'll love this. Okay? Here we go. You ready? I take authority over Satan and his grip on this life. I say in Jesus' name. 
Satan, take your hands off. Release them. Heal them. Set them free. Heal their home. Heal their family. Heal their finances. Heal their bodies. In the name of Jesus, I take authority. Now there's still resistance right there. There's still resistance right there. But there's power in this room right now and people can be set free. Part of the authority now is just honesty because I've had you squeeze shoulders but you aren't getting really honest. But as we pray and you begin to believe that you have authority, I want you to remember what Jesus said. I saw Satan falling like lightning. He fell like a shot bird out of the sky. And I have all power and all authority because I rose from the dead and I give you power and authority. So now say it. Be free. Be delivered in the name of Jesus Christ. Now everybody in the room begin to give thanksgiving to the Lord. Give thanks. Give thanks to the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, we have to walk in that kind of authority and power. I'm not asking you to fake it. I'm asking you to speak it. Alright? How many, how many believe miracles can happen in your home now? Anybody believe that? Wave at me. Wave at me. I believe miracles. I believe in miracles. I believe... Okay. Wow. That's been a long service today. Hallelujah. But I make no apologies for, apologies for defeating the enemy. I would like for those who are in difficulty right now and you need additional warfare, I want you to come and stand with me. Those of you that are in difficulty, maybe in your home or health or whatever it is, I want you to just come and stand with me up front. Come right now. All right, come right now. You can let go of people's shoulders for the moment if you'd like. Come and stand with me. And line up as much as you can. I, I need my prayer force. You just call my prayer altar workers. Prayer force. Prayer force. Come on up. My prayers. Come in. Join with me. My prayers. Come on. Come on. I'm going to need a lot of prayers. And yeah, come. Just get around them. Okay? Now here's the next step because a moment ago, I am. Jesus. I got anything else to say. You ready? I called the prayer force up because these people know how to pray. All right? I got a load of folks right over in here. I need more prayer workers over here. Okay? Diana, leaders, prayer workers. Yeah, come on. Hermanos. All right? Right, and you can squeeze around front. It's it's perfectly. We don't have like rules that you have to stand at the back. You can squeeze around the front. All right, praying right over in here. Okay, you ready?
I, Jesus, let me just say this while people are, listen, somebody lift your hand and praise God with me. Would you just do that? Just lift your hand and praise God. Just praise him. Listen, on, on our behalf, listen, we reject the enemy. Somebody shout it. We reject the enemy. We reject affliction. We reject defeat. We reject bondage. We, we reject chronic failure. We reject poverty. Jesus. We, for, we reject bitterness. We reject addiction. Infirmity. And we accept the power of God. We accept the authority of Jesus' name. And Father, in your name, I declare healing and power on every individual in this room. I declare in the name of Jesus that they will rise, that their homes will be whole, that families will be healed. I declare that sicknesses will be erased, that addictions will be broken in the name of Jesus. And when we leave this place, we go in the power of Christ and we enter a mission field called America. And we ask God that you would turn the tide. You would break the power of the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.